you can turn to James chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 14. James chapter 2, and uh, we're picking up in verse number 14, and uh, we've been walking through this book of James. If you've been with us, excited uh, to walk through this book. We'll be there for a little bit longer, a couple months, and uh, uh, it's been an exciting journey for me uh, so far. We're, we're getting into a text today. Uh, that uh, it is my prayer that God would just help us be in tune to his word this morning, that he would grant great clarity to his word today. And uh, talking today about <coughs> signs of life and uh, signs of life. Uh, I remember, in fact, I have shared several times with you, uh, probably the darkest day of my life was July 16th, 1999, uh, we were returning home from a mission trip, and uh, on the way home from the mission trip, I was on a big bus. There was a van behind us, and our van had a blowout on the turnpike. And I remember running back to the scene. And when I ran back to the scene, the first person I got to was a friend of mine named Bill. He was driving the van, and Bill had been ejected from the van. And when I got to Bill, I ran to Bill and began to call his name. He said, Bill, and there wasn't any reply. And so I shook him a little bit. I said, Bill, Bill. And he didn't respond. And I checked for a pulse. <clears throat> and there was no pulse. There was no signs of life. And in that moment, I was overwhelmed with emotion. And I believe that when James was writing this text today, he didn't write it for a theological discussion, and he didn't write it to be debated by people over the years. He wrote it because his heart was heavy and hurting for people that claimed to know Jesus Christ, but there were no signs of life. And he says, hey, let me tell you something. If you have been saved, and if you are saved by grace through faith, which is the only way to be saved, then when you are saved... There will be signs of life. That's what he's talking about in this text this morning. Signs of life. So what does saving faith look like? What does it look like? That's a great question to be had. In fact, I would encourage you this morning because I believe there are many, many people who attend church services regularly who talk of their faith as if it is a hope-so faith. I hope to one day go to heaven. When John, John writes over in 1 John, hey, it's not a hope-so faith, it's a no-so faith. And if you don't know-so this morning, you can. I know-so not because my faith is dependent upon me or anything that I do or have done or will ever do. It's completely based on the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross for me. He laid down his life paying my sin debt completely. He was buried in a grave, and three days later, he came up from the dead. He's alive. It has been paid in full. I stand on a rock that will not be shaken. I know so. I know so. One day, I will see him face to face, and what a day that's going to be. My question to you this morning is, do you know so? Do you know so? Signs of life. What do they look like? James chapter 2. Verse number 14 and following. James chapter 2, verse 14 and following. The Bible says, <clears throat> What use is it, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or a sister without clothing in a need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, then what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, Well, you, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messages and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works <coughs> is dead. Now, when you look at this text of Scripture, <coughs> there are some that would say, man, this is a contradiction of other writings in the New Testament. Uh, uh, in fact, it was Martin Luther that looked at this book of James. Martin Luther, who <clears throat> was, again, the tip of the spear when it comes to the Protestant Reformation that took place, and we're grateful for Martin Luther. However, when he approached this book of James, this letter of James, especially these writings right here within this text, he was the one that said, man, that's nothing but an epistle of straw. That's all that it is. To which I would say, when you're talking about the apparent contradiction, I believe that there is no contradiction with anywhere else in the New Testament of Scripture. And so the question would be, well, where is the contradiction, and why do you say, and why does he say, and why do they say, and what do you say? I don't know. But let's go there, and we're going to find out as we move forward. So the Apostle Paul, when you, when you say, what's the contradiction? What's the contradiction? Well, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter number 3 and in verse number 28. Romans chapter 3, verse number 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 16. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by the faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh <clears throat> will be justified. And then you have James talking here in verse number 24 of our text. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And so you look at this and you say, when is this some kind of a contradiction in Scripture? To which I would say, absolutely not. I believe what we have are we have two giants of the faith defending the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ against different enemies. They are not standing toe-to-toe -to -toe wielding a spear against one another, but rather they are back-to-back -back defending the same truth against different enemies that are, that are attacking and assaulting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the picture is very different. What is the one truth that they are both defending? And the one truth would simply be found in Ephesians chapter number 2 and in verse number 8 and 9. Ephesians 2 verses number 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one 
may boast. And that is the truth. Now, Paul was addressing Gentiles, and he was addressing those people that were plagued with legalism. In other words, there were people that were simply saying, hey, you're not saved by grace alone. You're saved because you got to get circumcised. You're saved because of this or because of that, in addition to grace. And so the Apostle Paul is defending the gospel of Jesus Christ against what we would say are Gentiles who are struggling uh, uh, with legalism. And, and then James is writing, and James is writing to the Jew. And James is just simply saying, here are the Jews that are given to, they're, they're, they're libertines, or you might call them libertines or antinomianisms. In other words, they are people that are saying, hey, listen, we're saved by grace, therefore let's just live it up, live it up. It's not a big deal. There's no work necessary. There's no obedience. We're just going to live it up. And James is just simply saying, hey, if all you did is pray to prayer and then live like hell and think you're going to heaven, there's something wrong with your faith. That's what he's saying. Y'all all right this morning? So, so, so that's what he's talking about here in this text of Scripture. He's just saying, hey, listen, when you're talking about this apparent contradiction, it's not a contradiction. Basically, uh, again, what the Apostle Paul was saying was your faith, because of your faith, you are justified before God. So the question is, what justifies your faith? Because you can't see faith. I mean, faith is, faith is kind of like calories. You don't see them, but you, you see what they do. where Paul was saying, hey, we're talking about faith that justifies you before God, faith alone. James is saying, okay, but your works justify your faith. Does that make sense? We have the roots of our faith addressed by the Apostle Paul. But if we have roots, we bear fruits of our faith. Same faith, two enemies attacking one gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not leave, please, today and say, oh, he's adding to the gospel of grace. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, 100%. But if you are saved, your faith will work. That's what James is saying in this text of Scripture. He addresses basically what we would call three types of faith. Number one, spoken faith. What's spoken faith? Lip service to lordship. That's all that is. It's lip service to lordship. He says in verse number 14 through verse number 17, what is it? Uh, uh, What use is it if someone says, if he's talking, he's a big talker, he's got faith, but he's got no works. Can that faith save him? And if a brother or sister without clothing, and he, and he uses an illustration, and in need of daily food, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, then what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. And then he goes on from there. But basically, he's just saying, hey, you know, it just doesn't add up. What I'm seeing in the church just doesn't add up. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's contradicting itself. It, it's just not evident, your faith. It's kind of like this morning, if I were to come to you <clears throat> and tell you, hey, you know what? <clears throat> I play defensive end for Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> You'd say, oh, hmm. <laughs> I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> I'm just not seeing it. Why? Because 
I don't eat with them at the same table. I don't exercise with them. I don't play with them. I don't participate with them. But with my mouth, I'm telling you, but I am. And you'd say, There's, what I'm seeing just doesn't add up. And that's exactly what James is saying. James says, man, so you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You, you, you say that you got faith, and, and you say that you're saved, and you've been born again to be born from above. And then he used an illustration, and, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, Ross came by my house, and he was freezing because he had been sitting outside. And it's freezing, and he hadn't eaten in weeks. He has, you can tell, but anyways. <laughs> he hadn't eaten in weeks. And he comes to my door, and I say, man, it's great to see you, brother. Hey, I, I am cold, and I am hungry. Man, it's good to see you. God bless you. Thanks for stopping by. James says, there's something wrong with that, man. There's something wrong with that. There's something missing. There's a disconnect. When you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you don't act like him, you don't look like him, you don't try to be like him, in fact, you're nothing like him. It's just simply lip service to spiritual life. And you know, he's just saying there's no signs of life. Which, by the way, James, again, is assaulted by some. But if you read your New Testament in totality, you will find that a person who is saved has uh, uh, what I would call birthmarks of a believer. Birthmarks of a believer. 1 John chapter number 3, verses 9 and 10. John the apostle whom Jesus loved is writing in 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Verses 16 of the same chapter, 1 John 3. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. Scripture in the New Testament teaches clearly that if a person has been born again, I'm not talking about what, what I'm hanging my hat on. I'm saying if a person has been born from above, the only way we were born from above is not by our works, but by grace. But if we have been born again, he changes us from the inside out. And it's alarming when you look, especially across our country, because we have a culture of Christianity 
that has lulled many to sleep. What do you mean? What I mean by that is there are many people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, but their life doesn't show it. In fact, there's been research done. When you're talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ and being changed, George Barna did research talking about how beliefs of people that claim to be born again, that claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet the belief system is not in line with the Bible. There's a serious, serious problem. George Barna says 90% of people in the United States of America believe in God. I mean, if 90% were truly followers of Jesus Christ, we'd have a different nation. <laughs> but 90% believe in God. Only 46% of that number believe in moral absolutes. 47% of those who claim to be born again, they couple grace with works. They don't even understand what it means to be born again, to be saved by grace. 62% of the number of people who claim to be born again do not believe Jesus Christ was sinless. Research. What's the big deal? Beliefs don't match. Your beliefs don't match Jesus. When my beliefs don't match Jesus, there's a problem. There was another man that wrote a book after doing research. His name was James Patterson. He wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth. I don't know when that was, but anyways... The day America told the truth. And he was talking about the impact of the gospel on behavior, on behavior. Where Barna was talking about the gospel on beliefs, he's writing a book, The Impact of the Gospel on Behavior. Saying 90% believe in God, 50% of those who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, 50% hasn't been to church service in three months. 30% of that number hadn't even been in the last year. And yet Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, let us not forsake the assembling of some or in the habit of doing. In other words, we are to gather together with the family of God. And if a person isn't gathering, hey, does going to church make me a Christian? Absolutely not. No more than going to McDonald's makes you a quarter pounder. That's not the, that's not the point. But the point is, if I, hey, if I am saved, I will be a part. If I am saved, I will be a part of the body. Y'all all right? The point is simply this. There's many professing believers whose beliefs and behaviors don't match what the Bible says a Christian is to be. We're all in this process. Hey, there's, there's nobody. There is none that has arrived yet, all right? We're, we're still in this process, and he's still completing. He that started the good work, he's going to be faithful. He's going to complete it. One day it will be, but
But until then, I'm on this journey. And as long as I'm on this journey, I will have struggles along the way. However, if you look at my life, my life will say, I love Jesus and I'm an obedient followers of his, even though there might be moments that I do have failures because I do, and so do you. But the Bible is very clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. If any man's in Christ, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. He's, he's becoming new from the inside out. And as a result of that change, there's a change in behavior when you look at the person's life that professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon made a statement one time, and he said this, <clears throat> We know for certain that we are not saved by works. But we're also pretty certain that we're not saved without them. In other words, he's just simply saying there's going to be a change in a person's life. Saved by grace through faith, but when the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence, he begins a work within us, and he begins changing us, making us more and more like Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said over in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter number 7 and in verse number 20, See then, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. <clears throat> it's interesting when you look at Scripture, I believe that Scripture is written very specifically not because God has any lack in His vocabulary, but He wants us to have a certain and clear understanding of what is being said. And so when He talks about a believer, He says, you're going to know them by their fruits. He didn't say by the leaves. Why? Because you can look at leaves, and I don't have a clue what in the world kind of leaf that is. But I can guarantee you that you can hold up a fruit. And I know that it's a fruit. I know what a peach looks like. I, I know what an apple looks like. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 know, I know what a banana looks like. He says, you know what? A, a believer, you're going to be able to look at them. First John, I just read from First John chapter number 3. It's obvious between a lost person and a saved person. It's obvious. Why? Because you're going to know them by their fruit. You can look at their life and say, man, they've been changed by the power of the gospel. So he talks about the spoken faith, but then he goes on in verse number 18 and talks about what I call uh, satanic faith. What do you mean satanic faith? Believing in the devil? No, believing like the devil. Not believing in the devil, but believing like the devil. And so, and so he continues this letter, and he says, But someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? He's just simply saying, Hey, you know what? There are those that would listen to this message at this point and look at this text of Scripture at this point and defend themselves. You mean to tell me that I'm not saved? 
I prayed a prayer when I was a little boy. I got a certificate of baptism. (laughs) And he's just simply saying, hey, you know what? I believe, I believe that Jesus came into this world. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he was buried. I believe that on the third day, he rose from the dead. I believe he ascended. I believe one day he's coming again. James says, that's good theology, bro. Hey, but you know what? Demons believe that. To the demon, you would say, hey, you must love him. He must be Lord. No, no, I don't. I'm not a follower. But I know who he is, and I know what he did. I know the facts. I know the facts. Knowing the facts don't save us. Knowing the facts don't save us. So I know all of that. I have heard it said before, and maybe you've heard this statement. Some people miss heaven by 18 inches. You ever heard that statement? What do you mean, 18 inches? I know the facts, but it's not here in the heart. Never been born again. My testimony, I was raised in church all of my life. I'm thankful for my mom and dad who were saved. From an early age, I could tell you the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, I sang the songs. I heard the stories. I could tell you the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ without error. But when I was 14 years old, I heard the same gospel that I knew in my head. And it was then at Lake Swan Camp down in Melrose, Florida, that the Holy Spirit of God took the truth and he pierced my heart. And he born me again. Born me again. I got saved. I got saved. And he began this work in me. That he's changing me. I'm not arrived yet, but I'm in the process, and he's changing me. And my question is, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? You see, because that's what happens oftentimes, is people want a Savior but not a Lord. What do you mean a Savior and not a Lord? Well, you know, when I was a little kid, <clears throat> I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so, so Jesus saved me. I, I just don't want to go to hell. But I really didn't understand. He wants to be Lord. He wants me to follow him. Saved by grace through faith. But he says, follow me. In fact, the Bible says it like this. The Apostle Paul, the same one that some would say contradicts 
He's not contradicting. As Paul said in Romans chapter number 10 and verses 9 and 10, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So the question is, what do I got to do to be saved this morning? What do I got to do to be saved? Well, Jesus had a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus in John's Gospel, John chapter number 3. And in beginning in verse number 4, they're having this uh, discussion, this conversation. It says, Nicodemus said to him, how, how can a man be born when, when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again, to be born from above. <clears throat> and when a person is born from above, there are signs of life. There are signs of life. John's gospel over in John chapter number 15 and verse number 14. In John chapter 15 and in verse number 14, uh, the Bible says it <clears throat> like this. Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What's he saying? Hey, you know what? One of the birthmarks of a believer is obedience. Obedience. You look at a life and... And, and, and they say, fooey, fooey on God's word. I don't feel like doing what he's calling me to do. Well, if there's no heart to do what he's calling you to do, where's the heartbeat? Where's the sign of life? The Bible says, 1 John chapter number 2, verses 3 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. By this we know that we have come to know him. You hear what he said? Not a hope so salvation. A no-so salvation. How do I know so, John? By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him, does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. An old commandment is the word which you have heard. When a man is born again, there's signs of life. To the one who says, I've been born again. But I'm not wanting to be baptized. I've been born again but I'm not wanting to love. I've been born again, but I don't want to forgive. I've been born again, but I don't want to share. The question must be asked, where are the signs of life? Where are the signs of life? Titus chapter number one, verse number 16 and Titus <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse number 16, the Bible says this. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable 
and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Listen, I am not saved by my works, but I'm saved for good works. In fact, Ephesians 2, verse number 10, 8 and 9 we already went to. Ephesians 2, verse number 10, we're God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for the works that he's prepared for us in advance. I, I'm not saved by my works, but I'm saved for works. And if I'm not serving, if I'm not working, if it's my face not changing, James is just simply saying, it's dead. It's dead. So what does saving faith look like? He uses a couple of illustrations here, closing out the text, beginning in verse number 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. And by the way, justify, there's two different ways justified is used. One of them is our standing before God Almighty. The other is a standing before others. And he's talking about a standing before others. He's talking about, again, the evidence of his faith. What's the evidence of his faith? Watch as he uses this illustration. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? And he's talking about something that happened in Genesis chapter number 22. You're very familiar with the story, perhaps. God said, take your son, your one and only son, Isaac, and, and lay him down on the altar. Genesis chapter 22. To which Abraham responded in obedience. And he said, I will lay down the life of my son. You've read the story, perhaps. If not, I would encourage you to go back and read the story. James is just saying, you know what that was? That was a work that was rooted by his faith. It was evidence of his faith. It justified his faith. I, be I believe you're able but I'm not going to lay down the life of my son. No. He had faith that worked. Genesis 22. You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. In other words, he had saving faith, and saving faith works. Saving faith works. I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by grace. But saving faith does, in fact, work. said, so how about Rahab? Second illustration, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? <clears throat> so if you're reading the stories and you're reading the story of Rahab, when the children of Israel were going over to conquer Jericho and they sent a few fellows over there and Rahab took them in and hid them, Rahab's own confession said, hey, we know, we know that your God is for real. and We believe in him. As a result of her belief, she hid them, putting her own life on the line. She had works. 
You say, oh yeah, but she, that's not a theological discussion. That's not a debate. It's just simply saying, and that's another, that's another story for another time. Fact of the matter is, James is just simply saying, based on her faith, she had works. Based on her faith, she had works. I do believe, therefore, I will. She had works. Saving faith. Works don't give life, but they are definitely signs of life. 2 Corinthians, the Bible says it like this in chapter 13 and in verse number 5. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail the test. See what Paul's saying? It's not for me or anyone else to come and look at somebody and say, oh, they ain't got works, they must be going to hell. It's not my call. Paul says, won't you take a moment and examine yourself to see whether or not you have experienced saving faith? That it's not just lip service to lordship, but that you have actually been born from above. The Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence in your life, and he who is omnipotent has begun a great work. Therefore, he is changing me, and I'm in that process of change. Not perfected yet, but I'm in the process. My faith is working. My faith is working. Over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Jesus continues from earlier. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? <clears throat> And then I will declare to him, them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice, who practice lawlessness. <clears throat> Have you been changed by the gospel? Are there signs of life? This passage is not written for theological debate. But it's written so that those who are religious people, if there are no signs of life, may today have life. And so if you've never been born again, to be born from above, I want to invite you to call on the name of Jesus Christ. If the Holy Spirit of God is touching your heart this morning, <clears throat> you know, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse number 44, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me has drawn him. How does he do that? By his Spirit. And perhaps you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, the Holy Spirit of God... It's tugging at my heart. And before God, I would admit, I'm not saved. My faith isn't working. But I want to be. Call on His name today. Call on His name. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer? <clears throat> Now,
This morning we'll pray, and after we pray, we'll sing a song. And when the song has been sung this morning, maybe you're here today, and you would say, you know, I, you might be here and been in church all your life from the time you were born until this day, and however many years are in between. But maybe this morning you're here and you say, man, I realize for the first time the Holy Spirit of God just spoke to me this morning, and I've never been born again, and I want to be. I want to be. Man, call on his name, even now, where you are. Even now, call on his name. We would love to have the privilege to be able to pray with you and encourage you. And if that's the desire of your heart, and you're calling on his name today, when we sing this song, I'm inviting you to come. You come this morning. I want to be born again today. I want to be born again. You come. As soon as we finish this song, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for your grace. God, we recognize that it is only by grace and only through faith that we are saved. Oh God, today, I pray for each one of us that you would search our hearts God, if there be one that, whether they're in this building, whether they're online, never been born again, God, that your Holy Spirit would breathe life, God. Because only you can do that. Only you, only you can breathe life. God, search us today. Father, have your way in this moment. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today. We love you, and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.